Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Okay, so we are, we are in this series, Think Outside the Box, Thinking Outside the Box, and it's really things that outsiders don't like about insiders, things that non-Christians don't like about Christians or things that they that may, may be a, a stigma that we have as, as Christians or as, as a body of believers here in the church. And, and we talked about being judgmental, how Christians are often judgmental. We talked about hypocrisy in the church. That was a really fun one last week. This week, it's much lighter, much lighter note. And I was thinking about this, of all the things that you hear people say about the church, and I don't want to go to church, and I don't want to be a part of the church, and I don't want to be a Christian, of, of course, we, we've talked about judging, we talked about hypocrisy, but there's another phrase that they throw out a a lot. In fact, it it actually leads to other phrases, but one of the most common phrases is, I don't don't want to be a Christian, I don't want to go to church, all they want is my money. All they want is my money, that's all they want. Well, you know, first of all, here at New Song, we put no pressure on people to give. Uh, We we really feel that that's an act of, uh, of the heart, it's an act of worship, and so I never want people giving money financially out of guilt. And a lot of pastors, in order to keep the budget going, a lot of pastors guilt their church into giving. I hate that. I've always hated that. I always said I, I will refuse to do that as a pastor. I don't want any person in this church to give to God out of guilt. I want you to give to God out of gratefulness, out of a heart of worship. How many knows that's the way that we should give? Cheerfully and generously, the Bible says. That's how we do it. And so we don't really put that. So that's not a reputation that we have because uh, as you know, we, we, we take a very few special offerings. We just, we just make our budget work on what comes in and tithes and offerings on Sunday morning. And we try our very, very best not to be a burden to anybody, not to ask for a lot of extra funds or anything like that. We give you sometimes opportunities to, to give, but at the same point, we don't, we don't guilt people into it. It's just an opportunity. And if you have the gift of giving, you can give. Now, that being said, uh, it's not just... All they want from me is my money, but a, a lot of times, um, you, you've heard this, people, have, in fact, people have come here to New Song, and, um, y- you know, they, they kind of just hide out for a little while, and, and, and one time I, I spoke with somebody, I said, you know, you, you, you're coming every week, but, you, you know, you're just kind of hiding out, you're not really getting plugged in, and they're like, well, I really love New Song, Pastor, I want you to know, I really love New Song. I said, hey, why aren't you getting plugged in then more? Why aren't you, you know, really getting involved and, and their answer was, well, because I have kids. And I said, I said well, we, you know, it's okay. Find a babysitter. Just that, you know, if you have to bring them, then bring them. We'd just rather have, no, no, pastor, you don't understand. Well, what? I just don't want to work in the nursery. Like, I probably don't want you to work in the nursery then because you'd probably be really bad at it, you know? Like, I don't, if you don't like kids, I don't think our kids would like you, you know, that type of deal. And, and so we just... Um, can I just tell you, everybody, that, that those who do work in the nursery and work in kids' church, can, can I tell you how awesome they are here at New Song? And, and, and that they are, I'm telling you, that is such a powerful ministry because they're releasing people that don't know about the things of God. They don't have a growing, thriving relationship with the Lord. And it releases them for a moment just to focus on the Lord and to grow and to receive the word of the Lord and be changed. And that's incredible. So for all of you 
uh, who work in the children's church area. And I see Becca right up here. Becca, how many is a fan of Becca here, here in the church? Because, I mean, I could point out a lot of people, but she's there. She's second service every, every week. She's, and you, you guys are first service, I know, but every week she's back there in the kids' area just serving and loving those kids. And we have some people like that that just love, they, they have a heart for kids' ministry, and I love them. And you should love them, and we should all give Becca a hug and a $5 bill on the way out. Okay. Um, so, so a lot of people, they're, they're scared about the church because of what the church would want from them. You know, not, not what the church can give them, not what Christ could give them, but they think, well, all you want is my money, and all you want is my time, and all you want is me to give, 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 and I don't really have enough time for that, and I don't, you know, I really can't commit to that, and, and. Can I tell you something? There, there's something in the heart of people outside of the church, and you need to realize that, that they just think that we're after them because we're going to take advantage of them. And, and I want to I say, first of all, the new song, that's not who we are. We know that, but they don't know that. We, we know that, but they don't know that. How many know what I'm talking about? Like, we know who we are, but they've never been here before. They don't know who, they don't know who we are. And I, I want to talk to you about some things that I've found in Scripture. And really, this is, this is about what we can invest in the lives of others and how we can beat that, that idea, that framework, that mental framework that some people have, that stigma that, that is often given towards the church, that we can break that if we live life a certain way. And the Lord has really been teaching me a lot about influence over a number of years now. Uh, that influence is, is really not... It, it's really not about my success, it's really not about your success. Like influence isn't about how successful I am or how successful you are. That influence is actually all about helping somebody else succeed, like living our lives for somebody else. And influence is not about living my life for me, for me to be successful. Influence is about living my life for somebody else and helping them to be successful, knowing that when they're successful, I'm successful. You see how that works? Like, uh, in fact, I tell you this, I, I love it when my staff succeeds. I don't have any problem with that. There is no jealousy there because when they succeed, I'm succeeding. When they're successful, I'm successful. When they're successful, the whole church is successful. How many know what I'm talking about? There's no competition in, in our staff. There's no competition within the church. When one succeeds, we all succeed. And when it comes to influence in the Bible, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that the Bible has to say about influence and about how people were influenced um, throughout Old Testament and New Testament, and really teaches us how we can influence other people, that we can show them that this is not about what they can give us, it's about the news that we have for them. It's about, it's about the, the potential that they have in their life. And, and so it's not about us taking from them, but it's about us giving to them. It's about us influencing them concerning the things of God. And I want to give you three different examples in the Bible. And this is going to be very unique because we're going to talk about a lot of Scripture this morning. And yet it's going to be a little while before we have so much to go through that really I'm going to tell you the, 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 the verbal stories more than just reading it word for word in the Bible. But I will give you Bible references so you can look them up. There, there are three... Um, I, I, what I have found in the Word of God is, is that there are three areas concerning influence that we have to be aware of and that we have to see in the lives of others. 
okay? And what I mean by that is there are people who want to be influenced, that they request it. There are other people who receive it. They don't don't pursue it, but they do receive it. And then there are other people who just reject it. So we have those who request, we have those who just receive, and we have those who reject. And I'm going to give you some examples in the Bible. The first one has to do with requesting the influence of somebody else. So that's somebody outside the church who actually pursues us and says, hey, I need some help. Hey, I need some answers. Hey, I want to be with you. Hey, you have something that I don't have. Can I tell you that that doesn't happen very often? That most people, if they are going to be influenced by us, they are probably not going to pursue us. It doesn't happen like that very often. But we do see an example of this in in the Bible. Remember the story of Elijah and Elisha. Now, this is found in 2 Kings uh, chapter 2. We get to this, really, chapter 1 and chapter 2. But we get to chapter 2. Elisha is hanging out with Elijah, the prophet. and, And Elisha knows that he's with a man of God. And, and wants to be around. He's requesting, he's requesting uh, not only to be around Elijah, but he wants what Elijah has. And that's proven in just a few verses. In fact, we find this at, at, at work in the life of Elijah, the prophet, and Elisha, who's going to take that position as prophet, where Elijah goes to Elisha and says, hey, it, it, you, you keep going with me everywhere keep following me everywhere, and now I need to go on to Bethel. I want you to stay here. And Elisha says, no way. As long, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm going where you go. So they go to Bethel. So then Elijah, they get to Bethel, and Elijah says, you know what, Elisha, I'm going to go to Jericho. I want you to stay here. And Elisha says, no way. Wherever you go, I go. As surely as the Lord lives and as surely as you live, wherever you go, I'm going to go. So they go to Jericho. And then Elijah a third time says to Elisha, hey, Elisha, I need to go down to the Jordan. I want you to stay here. Now the prophet, think about this. The prophet of God is telling the younger, Elisha, you stay here. And Elisha is stubborn and says, "Uh uh-uh, surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm going to go where you go. Like, I am pursuing you. I want to be around you. I want what you have. So Elijah at one point looks at Elisha and says, well, what do you want from me? And Elisha says, I want a double portion. I want a double portion of your anointing. And Elijah says, that's going to be difficult. In fact, Elisha, the only way that you're going to get a double portion of what I have is if you just stay with me. Like, if you stay with me, when the Lord receives me into heaven, when the Lord takes me up, you'll have what I have. And Elisha stayed with him, and as they're walking along, the the Lord comes down, and there's chariots involved, and there's a huge, huge event, miraculous event. You can read it, 2 Kings. Uh, There's this huge event that occurs, and Elijah is taken up. He doesn't die. He's just taken up to be with the Lord, and Elisha is right there. And as Elijah is taken up, his cloak falls off, and Elisha picks up the cloak, 
and he does something that Elijah just did. See, as they're walking on the road, before Elijah was taken up, he, he had taken his cloak, and he, he kind of wound it up, and he struck the water, and the water divided from the left to the right, and they crossed on dry ground. You thought the Red Sea was the only parting of the water? That's not the case. So Elisha had just seen that, and this very cloak that Elijah was wearing falls to the ground. Elisha has it now, and he goes up to a body of water, and guess what he does? He rolls it up, and he strikes the water, and guess what happens? The same anointing that was on Elijah is now on Elisha, and those waters part, and Elisha walks on dry ground. But see, Elisha was was the pursuer. He wanted it. He was requesting it. He was saying, I need you, Elijah, to influence my life. I want you to influence my life. I want to be around you. I want you to train me. I want you to to tell me what you know. I want the same spirit of God that's in you. I want it to be in me too. In fact, I even want more than what you got. Now, can I tell you, everybody, if we're wise, we'll all be like Elisha. We all should have somebody that, that, that is more mature in the faith that we are pursuing, that we are, that, that we are in, in relationship with and saying, hey, you know some things that I don't know, and I want to know it. That's why you need to be in a small group. That's why all of us need to be in small groups, because there's people in small groups, whatever they're teaching, they know more about that subject than you know, and you ought to look at that and say, you know what, there's a subject that I don't know. I need to be involved in that. Because they have something, they have knowledge, they have wisdom, they have more of God than what I have, and I want it in my life, and so I'm going to pursue them. I want to be influenced by them. That's why I got, uh, when Pastor Larry was here, Pastor Larry Stockstill, several months ago, he obviously talked to, um, to, to me and really Pat and Josh as well. And he said, hey guys, I'm doing a pastor's university. There's going to be four different sessions throughout 2020 down in Baton Rouge. And um, said, I want you guys to be there. And at one point he pulled me aside. He said, he said Justin, said, you got to be there. You're supposed to be there. And I said, Pastor Larry, I wouldn't miss that for the world. Why? Because he has something that I don't have. He knows more of God than I don't. Than I know, and I, I want to put myself around people. I, I want to be influenced by the right people who have the right knowledge and the right ability and the right giftings and the right spirit in them. Yeah, how many know what I'm talking about? I, I mean, we just got to be around people who are better than us, who know more than us, who, who are more mature in Christ, who are, are better believers than us, people of faith, people of integrity. We need to put ourselves around them, and that's why, everybody, small groups are so important. And the ones who, are, who attend small groups are the pursuers. They're the ones who are making requests. No, I want to grow, and I'm going to put myself around people who are better and smarter and wiser and more full of God than, than I am. We have another one, though. So, so that's the one who makes requests. They request influence. Now we have others who just receive influence, that they're totally taken off guard when influence comes their way, but when influence comes their way, they're open to it and they receive it. It reminded me of the story of of Gideon. Remember this in Judges chapter 6, that the Midianites were taking over the entire Israelite world. I, I mean, they were oppressing the Israelites. 
They were stealing from them. When the Israelites would come and plant, they would, they would uh, plant uh, wheat, for instance, and just other crops, the Midianites would come in and take everything that they have, and they would trample over everything. They were just oppressing the Israelites, and the Israelites were miserable, so miserable that over the past number of years, they had turned to false gods, but they finally said, wow, we've got to turn back to the, to the God, the one true God, and they started calling upon the Lord. Well, the Lord shows up, but he does it in a unique way. He shows up to Gideon. Now, Gideon is actually hiding out in a wine press. He's on the threshing floor, and he's, 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 working, he's, he's actually working with the crop. He's, he's trying to hide it, though, and he himself is hiding from the, 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 the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says to Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. In fact, he says it this way. He says, the Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. Now, what has Gideon done in his life? Absolutely nothing. He's not done a thing. In fact, that mighty warrior is hiding out in the wine press. He's a chicken, everybody. That's what he is. He's hiding out. And the Lord shows up to him and says, I'm with you, you mighty warrior. And Gideon's probably looking around like, you talking to me? You know, like, what? who are you talking to? Gideon hadn't done a thing. So Gideon then goes, he, he's, so, he's so timid, he's so, he, he's so um, afraid and, and cautious, you could say, that he, he goes to the Lord and he says, hey, okay, 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 okay. If it really is you, you stay here. I'm going to go prepare an offering for you and I'll bring it back to you. And the angel of the Lord says, that's fine. So, so Gideon does that. He goes and he prepares an offering and, and he has the meat, and he has the broth there, and he brings those things as an offering. And, and the angel of the Lord says, just put it on this stone. And so he does. He puts it on the stone, but he pours out the broth. And then a fire from the stone consumes the offering. And you and I would be sitting there like, whoa. I mean, last time I looked, stones don't make fire. I mean, they can make fire, but they don't make fire. You know what I'm talking It's not wood. Stones don't burn like wood. But yet that's exactly what happened. Like that stone became a fire pit. And it burned up. Now to me, I'd be like, okay, I'm in. But not Gideon. Not timid Gideon. He's like, oh, okay, well, I believe you. I mean, I believe you. But I'm going to put this fleece on the ground. And in the morning when I wake up, if this fleece is wet with dew, but nothing else around the dry, the, the ground around this fleece is totally dry, then I'll know that I have to do what you're calling me to do and that you are who you say you are. So he sets out this fleece in the middle of the ground, and he comes out the next morning. The Bible says he's able to wring out that fleece, that fleece that was soaked with dew, and, and, and it fills up a bowl, but yet the ground all around it is dry. And you and I would probably say, whoa, okay, well, obviously, I mean, you did the offering, and now you did this, but not timid Gideon. No, the mighty warrior was still confused. 
he was still cautious. He was still nervous. And he goes back to the angel of the Lord like, oh, okay, well, yeah, you did that. But tomorrow morning, I'm going to put out a fleece, a wool fleece. And this time, I want the fleece to be dry and the ground to be all wet. And God, in his patience and in his love, does the miraculous again. Gideon wakes up, finds the fleece. The fleece is totally dry, but the ground all around it soaking wet. But all of a sudden, something happens in Gideon. And he receives that which he is meant to receive to the point that he really does become a mighty warrior. In fact, you know what happens? They're, they're going to get an army together to go up against the Midianites, and they, they, get, um, they get a bunch of men together, like a bunch of them. In fact, like 32,000. And, and the Lord says, no, 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 this is too many. If this many of you goes out and you win, you won't give me glory, so... So tell them, whoever's scared, tell them that they can go home. Whoever's just fearful of the fight, they can just go home. Well, you know how many went home? 22,000. Chickens, aren't they? Apparently, Gideon's not the only scaredy cat in Israel. There were 22,000 more that decided to go home. And God looked at the 10,000 and said, that's still too many. I, I want you to take him down to the water. And Gideon... Whoever drinks from the water a certain way that literally cups it and laps it like a dog, and, and they, they keep their eyes up, and they're, I want you to keep them. You know how many people did that? Out of the 10,000, only 300. And that, those 300 men became Gideon's army, and they defeated the Midianites because Gideon allowed the Lord to influence his life. He wasn't open, he wasn't, he wasn't requesting it, he wasn't pursuing it, but when it came, he realized it, even though it took him a little while, he realized it, and he received what the Lord had for him. Everybody see that? Now, there's another person in the Bible, and I could tell you lots of stories about this one, that some people request it, some people receive it, but other people actually reject it. Remember, in, it's found in Mark chapter 10. Remember the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and he starts asking Jesus some questions like, hey, I want to be a follower. What do I need to be a follower? How do I receive eternal life? And Jesus lays out these commands and the rich young ruler says, well, I've been doing that for a long time, meaning I'm a good person. I'm a good person, but Jesus saw in him, he saw into his heart. He said, well, I, I know something that, that you don't know, and I, I see something that you obviously don't see, and I want you to go out. I want you to go back and get rid of everything that you have. I want you to get rid of everything that would keep you from following me, so that you can follow me. The Bible says that the rich young ruler he rejected the influence of Christ because he was wealthy, so he walked away sad because he wanted Jesus but he wanted his stuff more. And he rejected the influence of Jesus and actually, really eternal life itself. Rejected it. 
When it comes to reaching people outside of the church, you're going to have those very few that request influence in their life, that they seek you out. Hey, something's different about you. You don't handle things a certain way, or I always see you praying, or I, I see that your family has it together, or I see that it looks like you're always happy and you have something I don't have. Hey, can we talk about that? Now, those, those conversations do happen, but not very often. But then we have a lot of people, and I believe that this is, this is the vast majority of people that are ready to be influenced, they just don't know it yet. They, they're, they're, they would be recipients of your influence if you just made that investment in their life. And sometimes that investment isn't going to happen once. It's not going to be just the offering. It's not going to be just one fleece on the ground. It's going to be the offering and then one fleece and then another fleece. It's going to be time and time again that you just keep showing them that you love them, keep showing them who you are in Christ Jesus, and all of a sudden they become receptive to the influence that you would be in their life. But then you have other people who just have no interest and they just reject it. They don't want to give up what they have. No matter how dysfunctional it is, they just don't want to give up what they have. And I promise you, the vast majority of you are around people who, in fact, all of you, I believe, all of you are around people that would be receptive to the influence that you would bring to their life if you would just try, if you would just be influential. See, see, influence, like I said before, let me, say it, let me say it again, that my influence, my influence is not determined by my success, but by my ability to help somebody else, by my ability to help others succeed. My influence, my influence, your influence is not determined by our level of success, but by our ability to help others succeed. And could it be that the church in America, that we are so self-consumed, so egotistical, so um, just selfish in nature, that we're fighting for our success, but not fighting for the success of others. That we're more concerned about our success than we are about the success of others. And if you are more concerned about your success, you are not being influential like you should be. Because God has called all of us to be people of influence. In fact, Jesus tells the disciples one of the very last things he says to them is go and make disciples. Go and be influential in the lives of others. I want you to go and make a difference. And the difference that you will make in this world is being a person of influence, helping others succeed. So how do we do that? I'm going to give you five ways that you help somebody succeed in their life. Now, what's happening is, everybody, I'm gearing you up. This is, for, this is for a reason. What we're talking about today, everything that we do here is for a purpose. But over the next four weeks, we're going to have a special Christmas series called Christmas at the Movies. And over the next four weeks, it's going to be a lot of fun, but there's going to be a purpose to it. And every week, people are going to have the ability, the chance to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. 
They're going to experience the gospel of grace. They're going to hear it. They're going to learn of it. They're going to accept it in their life, and their lives are going to be changed. But how will they know? How will they hear if somebody doesn't share with them the good news of Jesus? How many know that that's in the Bible? Like, they, they can't hear unless we tell them. And over the next few weeks, I want you to go out of your way to find people to influence concerning the things of God. I want you to find somebody who's hurting. Maybe find that person who is requesting. They are pursuing you. We'll invest in their life. I want you to find the, the person that things aren't right in their life they're being attacked by the Midianites, and maybe their Midianite is, they're, they're being attacked by family members or bad finances or lack of wisdom, but they're in battles. I want you to find them and love them and care for them and serve them and then invite them to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you say, well, I'm not great at inviting people to Christ. If you can't invite them to Christ, at least invite them to church and we'll invite them to Christ. You see what I'm saying? That we need to be people of influence, but don't be surprised if some people reject you. And that's okay. It's okay. I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people where they just said, no, no, not really interested. Okay. Okay. And then I move to people who are interested. But I don't stop trying to invest to influence others concerning the things of God. Here's what we need to know about people. Here's how, here's how we look into the lives of people. First of all, we focus on the person. We focus on the person. Philippians uh, uh, 2, 3, and 4, this is out of the New Living Translation, says, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, but be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others' Two, meaning, meaning this, everybody, especially at this season of the year as we go, as we head into Christmas time, let's get our eyes off of ourselves and put our eyes on somebody else. Who around you doesn't know Jesus? Influence them. Who around you is hurting? Who around you is dysfunctional? Who around you is lacking wisdom? Who, who around you is just living a life that they don't want to live? Influence them. And if you say, yeah, but my life isn't, isn't together either, I'm pretty miserable too. Well, why don't you grab that other person and say, hey, I'm where you're at. Why don't we get out of this together? Why don't we pursue God together? Because I, I don't have all of the answers. And I have a lot of questions like you, and I've messed up a bunch of times, probably just like you. But, but there's a better, I just believe that there's a better way to live life why don't we get out of this together? Why don't you just be honest before them, be humble with them, but focus on, focus on the person. If you don't aim at bringing somebody to Christ, let, let me say it a different way. Reaching the lost, reaching outsiders for the Lord Jesus Christ is something that has to be purposeful on our part. It's something that we have to be thinking about all the time. It's something that we have to be focused on all the time. Just like Charlie, I told that story last week of Charlie. Well, I did reach out to him. I haven't had a response as of yet, but I was more concerned about Charlie than I was about that buck on the ground. You guys remember that story? I was just more concerned about Charlie because I have evangelism in mind. I have witnessing in mind. I have, 
I have the love of Jesus so much in me and the love of others so much in me that, that an animal doesn't matter as much as a person. I want this person to know and to love Jesus Christ. I just think about that all the time. I'm in Walmart and talking to a cashier, and I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if this person loves Jesus. I wonder if they know Jesus. I'm at a hospital. This just happened uh, two days ago. My dad is having a procedure, and there's another uh, lady there, and they get some news that's kind of concerning, and and, and I just, I, I, and they're kind of in tears and they're talking together, kind of encouraging each other, but they're two ladies. And so I'm thinking, you know, I'm probably going to scare them if I go up to them. And so I, I look at my wife and, and my mom and they're both ready to, to stand up and go do something. Well, my, my mom beat us to the punch. She was the first one there. You know, my mom, she's going to, she's going to go after it. And, and we just went to them and loved on them and prayed with them right there in, in, in the surgery waiting room. Because we're always thinking, we're always thinking about influencing others for the kingdom of God, loving people in the name of Jesus Christ. We're just always thinking about it, always thinking. So we focus on the person. We consider others more important than ourselves, right? Number two, you got to focus on the positive. You got to focus on the positive. Well, the people that I hang around with, best dressed, they're awful. I can't stand them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to be their friend. They're just awful. You got to focus on the positive. Ephesians 4.32 says, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You need to be kind and tenderhearted. You need to be compassionate towards them. I tell people all the time, in fact, sometimes my kids come to me and will say, you know, so-and-so is so irritating. Like another teenager, so-and-so is so irritating. And I just look at my children because I have information that they don't have. And I'll look at them and say, you know what? I know some things about that person that you don't know. And trust me, they need to be loved more than anybody else in the room. You need to care for them more than anybody else in the room. You need to, you need to protect them. You need to be their friend. You need to make an investment. Can I tell you something? That the people that you are around that God knows, God knows about them when you don't. He's up in heaven speaking to you, saying, hey, hey, there's some things in their life that I know that you don't know. And would you just love them anyway? Would you just be compassionate anyway? I, I remember talking to somebody quite a while ago now. Just irritated me to no end. Couldn't stand them. You know, have you ever had that personality conflict? Like, no matter what you do, you just don't like them. They came in, they called me one day, said, Pastor, I'm coming in. I'm thinking, please don't. Don't come in. Because you ruined my day every time you come in, you know. Just like a negative Nancy personality, just always, just, just suck. We call them in ministry, is this probably too transparent? We call them life suckers. They just suck the life out. You know what I'm talking about? They came in, and they told me about their childhood. I never looked at them the same way again. See, God knew something about them that I didn't know. God knows something about the people that frustrate you, that you don't like, that coworker that just drives you. He knows something about them that you don't know, and you need to focus on the positive. They are dearly loved by God. 
He wants to spend eternity with him. He wants to change them just the way he's changing you. You need to focus on the positive. Number three, you need to focus on their potential. You need to focus on their potential. First Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Let me say it like this, everybody. Um, at some point, somebody looked into your life and said, wow, not much potential there. You know, odds are, not much potential. It, 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 let, let me say it like this. Let, let me say it a different way. That there are, there are some of us here in this room, and I am one, but I understand that not everybody's like this. In fact, maybe this is just a gift that I have from God as a pastor. But I, my, my wife says it this way, Justin, you see potential in a fire hydrant. You see, she'll say it a different way. You see potential in a dog, you know. Uh, I don't see potential in cats. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> cats are of the devil, and we all say, we all should say amen to that. All right, I'm just... Cat lovers, I'm just playing. I'm just sort of playing. Okay. But it's, but it's true. No matter who I'm around, no matter what they've done, I, I just am like this. I see potential in everybody. I just always do. In fact, to the point that I keep investing in somebody and then investing and investing and investing, and, and I'm wearing myself out and this other person isn't changing and my wife will correct me. She'll say, why do you keep doing this? They don't, they're, they're not looking for answers. They don't want what you have to offer. You keep telling them, but they're not listening to you. Why do you keep doing that? And I, I, and I say to her and I say to myself, because they have so much potential. They have so much potential. But some of you don't see the potential in others. I always do. I shouldn't say the word always. That's a big word. But I don't remember somebody in which I didn't see potential. Say it like that. And I just, I just live my life to see potential in other people. Therefore, I'm willing to invest in other people. I want to influence other people because I see their potential. So who really annoys you? They have potential. I promise you they have potential. Because Jesus makes all things. He makes all things. That, that means everybody has potential. You need to focus on their purpose. For we are God's work, workmanship, Ephesians 2.10. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the, the good things he planned for us long ago. Let me tell you, like, let me tell you this, everybody. It not only applies to everybody in this room, but to everybody in the world that God created us on purpose for a purpose. Not just us, but even those on the outside. He created us on purpose for a purpose. And, and the people that you're around, whether you love them or don't love them, like them or don't like them, you're friends with them or you're not friends with them at all, no matter who they are, that God created them on purpose for a purpose, and you need to see their potential, and you need to understand that they are called of God to do something that they have a purpose in their life. And your job, if you want to be a person of influence, is help them discover their purpose. It's one of the four things that we do here as we help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. So we just know that, that every person is made on purpose for a purpose. And you have to remind yourself of that. When you're, when you're, when, when you're investing in the lives of outsiders, that you get focus on the person, you focus on the positive, you focus on their potential, you focus on their purpose, and then the last one, you focus on the process. 
You focus on the process because it's not going to be an easy process. Remember, how many times did the Lord have to, have to teach Gideon to trust him? Well, here's the offering. Well, here's the first fleece. Well, here's the second fleece. We'll send all the scaredy cats home. We'll now take the rest down to the river until Gideon was just left with 300. And at that point, it's either I'm going to trust the Lord or die. One of the, I'm just going to, like, let, let me ask you something, everybody. Don't you know that most things in life don't come easy? Have you discovered that yet? That most things in life don't come easy? That there is a process to it. You know, we always tease people about this, but it's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. As soon as you're making headway, and as soon as you're going the right direction, as soon as you decide, you know what, I'm going to become debt-free, your transmission is going to go out. Or you're going to blow a tire. You're going to throw a rod. You're going to, your air conditioning is going to go out. Your furnace is going to go out. Something is going to happen because as soon as you decide to do something that's going to take you in the right direction, guess what the devil is there to do? To take you off track. And it is a process. It is a process. Once you decide to become debt-free, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. How many know what I'm talking about? It's just a, it's just a process. You know, when we're launching this church, um, uh, <laughs> uh, we're making lots of headway this week, but all of a sudden, the toilets erupt from the inside and come out. How many know it's a process? That, that the devil would love to discourage Pastor Tony and Sharon. I'm kind of asking him, hey, are you still laughing? He said, well, I wasn't, but I am now. I said, hey, listen, 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 listen. Yeah, that's a bad day. And yeah, that throws you, but it's part, of the, it's part of the process. It's part of the process. When you're moving forward in Christ, of course the devil is going to try to throw things in your way. Of course he is. And it's just proof that you're heading in the right direction. Because he targets people who threaten him. That's who he targets, people who threaten him. And, and when you're working with people, inviting people to Christ, inviting them to church, it's going to be a process and then when they come to know Christ and you're still influencing their life, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be a process. It's going to take an investment from you into their life. But I'm, I'm certain of this one thing, new song, that they're worth it, that people are worth it. That's what Jesus said when he died on the cross for all of our sins. He was saying, no, people are worth it. Even the ones you don't like. Even the ones that drive you nuts, they're worth it. They're worth the process. And I think it's time for the church, not just at New Song, but the church in America to stand up and tell those on the outside, the outsiders, tell them, hey, listen, this is not what we can get from you. It's what we have to offer you. It's not what we can get from you. We're not wanting anything from you. We're actually wanting things for you. We're wanting you to know Jesus. We're wanting you to live a life that's making a difference in the world, to live out your purposes. We want you to be free. We want you to experience that freedom. We're actually wanting things for you and not from you. You see the difference, everybody? We just got to break that in the church, that we just live for the good of others. Stand up with me this morning. Everybody on the way in this morning, 
you were given invitation cards, maybe three or four of them. We've given to you, unless you're new here, we've given those to you before. And those are given for a reason. It, it's, just, it's just a way. So, some people say, well, I really have a hard time having a conversation. We just try to make it as easy as possible. We just want you to, we want you to, new song, we want you to live your life with purpose. And I promise you, your purpose always has to do with somebody else. It always has to do with somebody else. Your purpose is never self-centered. Your purpose is always selfless, not selfish. You see the difference? It always involves somebody else. And so we want what we just try to give you little things to say, hey, hopefully this will help. Hopefully you'll you'll use these invites to invite people to church or at least start up a conversation and say, hey, this isn't what we can get from you. It's actually what we can give you. It's actually what we have to offer you. Like I want to be your friend. Hey, I want I want you to have an experience with the Lord. I want you to enjoy your relationship with God. I want you to come to Christ. I want you to grow in the faith. Whatever it is. I want you to take those cards and actually put them to work this week and just start telling people, hey, this coming, this coming Sunday, we're having, a, uh, we're having a new series called Christmas at the Movies. And they'll say, what's that? Well, it's Christmas at the Movies. You know what it's going to be this coming week? Christmas with the Cranks. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. In fact, for the next weeks, we got different, we've organized it, we got different movies the whole month, and we're going to show you clips. And a lot of you might be even sitting there thinking, I don't know if I like showing movie clips in church. It's not about you. How many know what I'm talking about? This is about outsiders. This is about influencing a community, a county, and a generation for the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many know what I'm talking about? It's not, this isn't about us. This is about them. And I just want you to invite as many as you can because we want to see some people come to know Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time today. We thank you for what you're doing in us. We thank you for what you want to do in those who have not discovered you, have not learned of the Lord Jesus Christ, who have not embraced the gospel of grace. Lord, we pray for them, God, that you would open up their ears to hear, that you would open up their hearts to receive. Father, I pray that you would create divine opportunities for us to tell others about you, to tell others about your love and your mercy and your compassion and your grace. Lord, open up opportunities. And when you do, we're going to walk through those doors. We're going to walk into those opportunities, take advantage of them. We're going to speak so freely and lovingly about you and about your, your call upon our lives and about your blessings, about the miraculous, about what you've done for us, what you're doing for us, and what you will do for us down the road. Father, we want to be a people of influence. We want to influence this generation for the things of God. Lord, we want to lead people into a relationship with you, Heavenly Father. That's what we want to do. We want to be a generation of influencers. We want to be history makers. We want to be world changers for the glory of our God, for the glory of his name, and for the benefit of every single one who would listen. So, Father, anoint us with your spirit, anoint us with your power, and help us to be the people that you've called us to be for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, we declare those things. Amen. 
As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.